Welcome back to the show. Stephen King is the best-selling author of such books as Carrie and The Shining, both of which were made into old-fashioned movie thrillers. His other horror novels include The, Sand, the Stand and Salem's Lot, which became a TV special. Uh, he has now ventured into an original screenplay entitled Creepshow, uh, which is... Uh, which is which is vows till got a little mix up here. What does it say there? A which he vows. Okay. <laughs> which he vows. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, which he vows will make his audience crawl out of the theater. There you go. Which you have this man's personal guarantee that you're going to be crawling out of the theater. That's the essence of this. Please make this assuming young man who makes his living frightening people. VHS cold. Shining doesn't pay like it used to. <laughs> Boyle Shonies. More Shonies. Oh, I was supposed to be quiet. It's all right. Fuck it. Who cares? I'll find some noise gate stuff in <laughs> other on. parts. More Shonies. Build more Shonies, please. Shonies been revitalized. Scott Steiner bring us Shonies. <laughs> Scott and Rick Steiner's own Shonies. So his middle name is Rick. His brothers went by Rick Steiner, but his name's actually Rodney, right? I, think that's oh, I don't remember was. that those details. I do. I'm a, just I'm a real smart. The Steiner brothers back in the '90s when they yeah. were good, and uh, everyone like Scott Steiner was gonna get a big push back then because it was like he was like so athletic and could really move around the ring, blah, blah blah. And then he just started doing a lot of steroids and couldn't move anymore. Right? Isn't that what happens? Mm-hmm. And then he was just botching all over the place. That's basically it. I always thought Rick Steiner was the the better of the two. I could, I think when they went to the WWF back in the day, they were gonna try to push Scott Steiner as like he was gonna be champion. He's gonna be a solo champion. No, mm-hmm. oh, he had to wait around for WCW for that. Yeah, for like the fucking last days of WCW. <laughs> Finally, Scott Steiner and Jeff Jarrett can get their recognition. <laughs> if anybody's wondering why we're talking about Shonies and Scott Steiner, because we just watched a video where uh, Scott Steiner opened his own Shonies. We also watched um, Scott Steiner's workout DVD. I'll probably splice in a clip of that because he. <laughs> Welcome to my freak show. <laughs> this is the freak zone, baby. Am this I doing it right? Zone. No. Am I going to hurt myself? <laughs> probably. It's a freak show. <laughs> this is Big Papa Pump. And you just witnessed me in my freak zone. Maybe it's right. Maybe it ain't. But it's what I do to get me ready for my match. Now stay tuned, because I will get you ready for the match of your life. Yeah, it's freaky. It's not a creep show. It's a freak show. Yeah, there's one other clip where he's like bench pressing. He's bench pressing quite a bit, right? You don't know that, though. I mean, they could be, the plates could be, you know. Aluminium. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's like, fuck this bench press and puts it down and then he picks up huge like um, dumbbells and he's like, curls, curls for the girls. 
And then he doesn't mention anything about like um weight or sets or form or anything. <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> after you bench press and you know hurt your shoulder, your shoulder feels like it's about to explode from doing four hundred pounds. Get to these bicep curls. Curls for the girls. I don't know. Just more steroids. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he's told me that he had a workout video. I'm like, is it just him shooting steroids for an hour and a half? It's um it's not far off. It's not a workout video. I mean, he's not teaching you anything. It's just, here, watch uh, Scott Steiner look like he's about to hurt himself a lot. And then he doesn't get hurt because steroids. This is VHS Colt. We got more important things to talk about than Scott Steiner, the freak show. We got Stephen King and George Romero's The Creep Show. The Creep Show. For that, though, uh, Typhoon, it ruined uh, oh, the Rugby uh, World uh, Cup. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Typhoon. Of, oh, from uh, wrestling? Yeah, the actual oh. disaster fame. His original name was Tugboat. Tugboat. He's a big, big fat guy. Yeah, he was always teamed with Earthquake. Big John Tenta. Sumo champion. Talking about real Typhoon in Japan. Now nah, it was a smart Ruin the World Cup. Or, yeah, ruin the Rugby World Cup. Bullshit. Scotland is like, if you can't sell our game against Japan, we're going to sue you. That doesn't sound like Scotland. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> Because they canceled like the um uh Italy and and so it gets counted as a draw, which means Italy doesn't make it to the oh. semifinals and then so that Scotland would, wasn't gonna make it through anything. Well, if they beat Japan, they will. Oh really? Yeah. So I think their game is <laughs> scheduled for tomorrow and I think they're actually gonna play it. The problem is a lot of the games are taking place down in the south where the typhoon wasn't gonna like, affect at all, so they kept playing mm-hmm. and then the, anyone who's up around Tokyo couldn't play. You feel like you just moved the games. I, yeah, I figured that, you know, why wouldn't you? And they're like, no, we only got time. This Rugby World Cup takes place over a month and a half, but there's no way we can just spread these games out there. <laughs> <laughs> also, my tire was sabotaged this week. Oh, what was that? Was it actually cut? You get sliced? Was a Yeah, they, I brought it back to uh, the tire shop over here because we took it off and couldn't find anything wrong with it. Uh-huh. And I was like, maybe like just the stem was messed up. And yeah. Blah, blah. And then... Brought it into him, and uh, because I had the warranty on it, so I didn't have to pay for the tire. They like took their sweet time doing anything. Yeah, I had to call them to find out if they were done. You know, because they didn't give a fuck because they were gonna get money. <laughs> and yeah, basically, it's just like yeah, there's like a slasher tear on the tire. We couldn't figure out what it's from, so some jilted lover probably came by. And someone, <laughs> there's someone who listens to this podcast and doesn't like my extreme political takes. <laughs> I don't know why they would know where I live though. Uh, they're just really good at the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty fucking messed up. Uh, but <laughs> free tire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why is um everybody so thirsty for the Mothman? I'm not. I wasn't aware that was a thing. Yeah, what's the deal? I, I got what's the deal? What the people like the Mothman? They want to fuck the Mothman. Are you so mothy? Is I, don't it, know, I, I don't know if I have a good Seinfeld. Is it sure? Is it, I'm People gonna, ride bicycles. It's like, um, is, it's because he's spooky and he shows up with bad news. Is that, is what, that like in a desirable trait? <laughs> no. I don't, you know what? I, two things I never look for in a woman were spookiness and bad news. Bad news. <laughs> if that, if that's what it is, like if it's spooky, if spooky dude shows up with bad news and I can be your Mothman, baby. watch update. Why do you always come around with bad news? <laughs> dark wings, dark words. That's like, <laughs> Mothman me would be like, 
knocking on the window of some like goth girl's bedroom. <laughs> Climate change will ruin us all. <laughs> open the window and like, yeah, I'm like, got some spooky news. The reason why the Hong Kong protests are getting a lot of coverage is because they're pro-colonial and pro-capitalism. You won't see Ecuador, Haiti, or Iraq on the mainstream <laughs> media news. Oh, God. <laughs> and then she's like, ah, let me suck that Mothman dick. I love spooky, sad news. <laughs> right? It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I, would, I mean, the reason... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so we're going to talk about Creepshow. First, we got to talk about Creepshow TV show. You watch Creepshow TV show yet, show? I didn't watch TV sh- Creepshow TV show yet, show. It's on Shutter. You can watch it anytime. You got my login. I don't know if you should or can't. I haven't watched it though. You said Stephen King did write one of the shows. <clears throat> stories, right? Yeah, so did. far, none of his episodes. He, I think he did two. Right. So far, none of his stories are on there, but there's only three episodes who left. Else, so. Who else contributed? Uh, so far, no one of note that I'm familiar with huh. uh, except for greg nicotero is running the show which it's a weird choice i mean he uh, the walking dead sucks it's a shitty tv show right but greg nicotero is like tom savini's protege and he is really good at practical effects still and like knows how to do horror shit so despite the walking dead being being terrible i it's, i still like greg nicotero and he's doing an all right job with creep show so that's fine Fucking The Walking Dead is not a very good comic book either, so... Oh. <laughs> I forgot the guy that writes The Walking Dead. He does, uh, Kirkman. Uh, yeah. Robert Kirkman. Powerful. What is the other one? Just Powers? Like powers. That? I want to talk about the uh, obvious Tales from the Crypt, Creepshow, Tales from the Crypt scenario. So, Creepshow is obviously a takeoff of like the old horror comic books, right? Which Tales from the Crypt was a horror comic book in the 50s, and they're kind of just doing Tales from the Crypt. And then about five, six years after this show, mm-hmm. or after this movie, they, the Tales from the Crypt show starts. Yeah. So who copied who? Um, this Crypt show is specifically an homage to EC Comics who printed Tales, Tales from, from the Crypt. Crypt. Yeah. yeah. And they the guy that did the, the, all the drawings in the film and Creep show and all the panels changed. Are they from the that's one of the art. That's one of the yeah. EC Comics artists. They had full blessing from EC Comics. It's not like they just were like, oh yeah, let's copy this shit. It's, I know, I'm not even thinking. I mean, it's, yeah. again, it's more of a... Probably oh, because of the success of Creepshow. They're is, like, yeah, let's do Tales from the Crypt. Well, no, they're not doing Tales from the Crypt specifically. It's just EC Comics who happen to also publish Tales from the Crypt. But they also publish tons of other horror shit. Yeah. Um, I think because of the success of Creepshow is probably why yeah, there is a Tales from the Crypt TV show, to be honest. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, talking about the Creepshow TV show show. Uh, the newest <laughs> episode... I'm, it's like it's pretty cute and encapsulates everything I love about Halloween or Samhain as you say in the only country <laughs> is um, that how they say it in Ireland? yeah well no that's the name of the holiday yeah, Samhain you know it's spelled like Samhain but Samhain it's just you know like the one of the big concepts is the spirits of the dead get to walk around on Halloween mm-hmm. like I fucking love that it's all spooky and fun so that's addressed in one of the episodes and I was like ah oh, yeah this is cool this is cute I just love that Seems like anything can happen on Halloween. <laughs> but nothing ever does. I don't know. I've done some fun stuff on Halloween. Never really had a bad Halloween. And like, whatever. Magic's not real or ghosts aren't real. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, like, magic is real. But... There's something about like Halloween night, probably just because of propaganda and how into yeah. it I am. But like, I don't know. To me, You've Halloween night, there feels You've like there's a, there's like some energies Halloween night. You know, the veil's supposed to be thin. Like I feel like it feel, it does feel different on Halloween night. But 
Obviously, that could just all be in my head. Or the fucking fairy folk are out and about. Gotta leave them treats so they don't get Oberon. your kids. <laughs> Goddamn she. Black Phillip. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Remember, she couldn't sign her name. And he's like, ah, next we'll do, you stupid goddamn cracker. (laughs) Jesus wrote words, dumbass. (laughs) Yeah, but not the uneducated Protestant rubes in (laughs) colonial America. Or Puritan rubes, I guess. We will talk about Creepshow now. We sort of did. Now it's time to happen. The creepiest show that ever creeped is Creepshow. Coming soon. Jolting tales of horror. Creep show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. Creepshow, the most fun you'll ever have being scared. George Romero, Stephen King, Fucking did it. Also, Tom Savini, a uh, major ingredient into why this movie's good too. Practical effects. Yeah. Tom Savini, of course, George Romero's friend who started out on Dawn of the Dead doing the practical effects and then did every George Romero movie, his own movies, every horror movie in the 80s, anything with the monster. You know, if you, if you don't know who Tom Savini is, then you're listening to the wrong podcast. Yeah, this podcast isn't for you, I don't think. Or maybe it will be once you learn about Tom Savini. And I'm happy, happy we introduced you to Tom Savini. Uh, this is the only George Romero film to open at number one at the box office. That's surprising. Obviously, this is not his best film. No, it's, it's not, a fun movie. It's not Day of the Death or Dawn of the Death or Return of the or wait, that's the wrong one. Land of the Death. <laughs> no, it might be better than Land of the um, Death. We have to ask John Lasano. <laughs> What's the one that's a uh, handy cam found? Oh, uh, Diary of the Diary Dead. Dead. That one's the worst. <laughs> I never saw it. I was like one of those movies. Like, man, I should probably see this eventually. And then I just never did. <laughs> I saw it in theaters. That was insane. Mm-hmm. And then I was embarrassed because, like, I got pe- I was, was excited about it because of George Romero, and I got like people, friends, and stuff to come. Like, oh no, it'd be great. Blah blah. And then they're like, Land of the Dead wasn't that good. And I was like, it was all right. He was just finding his feet again, you know, whatever. And then. Daddy Dead was not good. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, well. <clears throat> you got to get old and lose your skills eventually. Uh, this is also the only George Romero film where he didn't write the screenplay. So does that have anything to do with it being number one at the box office? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is Stephen King, though. So it's that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, the crew used for this film, you'll enjoy this because it has to do with your favorite movie of all time. Uh-huh. Same crew for Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> Your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> I'm like, man, do we have some stories to tell you guys? All right, and real quick, just to give more background information on EC Comics before we try to do your bullet points that you forgot. Yeah, I don't have my bullet points. <laughs> uh, EC Comics. 
Uh, it's technically entertainment comics. It originally started out as educational comics. But then they're like, no, entertainment's better. Just like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Is that what Doctor Who started as like an educational show? Yeah. About time travel? Like history, I think. Oh. <laughs> uh, they were an American publisher of comic books delving into genres, horror, war, fantasy, science fiction, adventure, western, and others. So Damn it. Others is probably western. <laughs> Basically the kind of stuff L. Ron Hubbard was writing. Except for (laughs) this is where they diverge from L. Ron Hubbard (laughs) is that they were noted for their high quality and shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) These stories were also unique in their socially conscious progressive themes, including racial equality, anti-war advocacy, nuclear disarmament and environmentalism. Also not very much like L. Ron Hubbard. No. Um, So this even preceded the civil rights movement. And the dawn of the 1960s counterculture, because these were being printed in the 40s and the 50s. Yeah, these are pulp. Well, tail end of pulp. Yeah. 1954 to 55, censorship pressures prompted it to concentrate on the humor magazine Mad, leading to the company's greatest and most enduring success. Consequently, by 1956, the company ceased publishing all of its comic lines except Mad. Comic code. Damn it. Yeah, the comic code kind of ruined everyone's shit back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> like people really like Mad Magazine, so I guess it's cool if they did that. But. I mean, Mad Magazine, especially for back in its time, was definitely... Like, it was you know, very subversive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is... um, <laughs> Hey, they just stopped publishing it like a month ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's crazy that they stopped publishing it. You'd think it'd go on forever like The Simpsons. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, print. Oh, yeah, and who's picking it up anymore? Wow. Print Wild. media dead. Anyhow, though, they were subversive before, man, they are subversive before fucking Stan Lee ever even took a hit of acid. <laughs> well, I mean, 1940, Stan Lee is what, like 15? <laughs> I don't know. How, when was he born? I thought he was born in like the 20s. I don't know. I but, was born in the late 20s or early 30s, but I don't know his exact date of birth. Who gives a shit? Stan Lee, Stan the Man Lee. He was like, Excelsior, I love EC Comics. Uh, yeah, the prop 10-cent Creepshow comic book featured in the film was drawn and inked by veteran artist Jack Kamen, one of the artists for the original EC crime and horror comics of the 1950s. Did they ever release it as an actual comic book, or was it just certain pages they did? Um, I don't know. It'd be cool if it was a promotion, but they may not have been. Yeah, that would have been pretty easy, simple promotion they could have done. Fucking idiots. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if they did. You should have hired me from your marketing back in 1982. That's like when Jonah Hill did mid-90s, his skateboard movie. It's a pretty good movie. If anyone hasn't seen it, you should check it out. But he did like a limited press of like a zine. You know? A fanzine? Yeah. And like, man, that's fucking cool. And they didn't even do that for Creepshow. I'd buy a Creepshow comic book. Uh, read the EC comics sometimes because they have them online. So, you know, there's like illegal websites where you can just read comics. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're fine upstanding. <laughs> Not me. Crime is beautiful. And uh, I think this, a lot of them still hold up. Well, I mean, that's, you can, that's true. It's a lot of um, comics you wouldn't be you wouldn't think about. Like Some of those Uncle Scrooge comics from the same time period really hold up. Mm-hmm. It's uh, interesting. A lot of it's like, oh, I see where that trope or that cliche came from, uh-huh. from within EC comics. So it's like... They are responsible for a lot of the... Uh, Things we consider, uh, or at least that, not necessarily easy comics, but like the horror comic books, for mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff we consider horror tropes. Yeah, and yeah, so a lot of the shocking twists mm-hmm. aren't really shocking anymore because they've been they've been shockingly twisted so many they, times. Yeah, they've been recapitulated. <laughs> but it's like, oh well, that, that's cool. It's nice to see where that came from. 
All right, this film, five parts plus a prologue and an epilogue. We will start with the prologue because you can't remember. Thrill me. You can't remember your bullet points. One of them was thrill me. (laughs) Why? Because he's in it? Yeah, he's in it. You know who else is in that prologue and epilogue? Why, that's a young Joe Hill or Joe King. That's oh, is Stephen it King's uh, son. Stephen King's son? Yeah, if you take a look at him knowing that he's Stephen King's son. You can see it. You I can see it because he has that like way too big lower face that <laughs> Stephen, Stephen King, King has. has. They both got... It's highlighted a lot in this movie. I like that he's like, stop reading these dang old trash comic books. I will not have you use your imagination or engage with new ideas in my household. <laughs> and then, of course, the... Uh, classic trope of a defeated mother who's just like well come on don't be so mean they give us a lot of uh, interesting relationships in these uh these vignettes i think uh Stephen king did not have a very good relationship with his father he didn't have a father really well there you go uh and then raul shows up that's the name of the skeleton <laughs> and he's like don't worry man let me tell you a few exciting tales of adventure and horror things too tantalizing terror speaking of abusive fathers uh, during a break in filming stephen king took his son to mcdonald's and as a joke joe was made up with bruises cuts and scrapes <laughs> the girl who drafts her window called the police when she saw him i think that's just stephen king was beating his son mm-hmm. be right better you must follow in your father's footsteps <laughs> and use a nom de plume so you do not ride on my coattails you bitch I don't even think Stephen King knew his son was writing. Really? Yeah. I'm, he had to know a little bit. Just probably not he was being published. Yeah, so. maybe. And then they did a novella together that became a bland Netflix movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, like, Stephen King doesn't really have any good movies. Creepshow. Shining. That's something. He doesn't like The Shining. Yeah, because it's different than his novel. But, you know, sometimes... Well, the way you write things aren't filmed, can't be filmed good. And sometimes you just, you make a movie and it's just so good that the book becomes irrelevant. <laughs> That's what he's really mad about. He's like, damn it, it's better than my book. It could be worse. It could be The Godfather. The Godfather. Most people don't even know it's a book. That's true. I mean, the book was specifically written for it to become a screenplay in a movie, though, really. So. Yeah, I guess, but it's not like he's That's like- the same thing with The Exorcist. Um, the first actual story is called Father's Day. This... Oh, I'm glad you know these because I didn't even think to uh, write them down or look them up. Oh, well, I actually do research, so we have stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, this one's an original story by King written for just for the film and appearing nowhere else. Ooh, Ooh cake. <laughs> the court was watching this with me and uh, she fell asleep. She's like, did you ever get his cake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Where's my cake? There's two original stories in this in Creep Show, and then the other three are short stories that King already had. Yeah. Um, this has got Ed Harris in it, and he dances. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh that's kind of one of my favorite scenes. And this one is the um. So this scene would later go on to be perfected by Quentin Tarantino in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> but there is a scene where Ed Harris and um. Some actress I do not know the name of are dancing very whitely. Yeah, yeah. And super white dance. I like that Ed Harris is clapping off beat. He's like, ooh, yeah, clap. Boom. <laughs> clap. <laughs> so what is Aunt Bethany? Yeah, we'll her go father. That. It's one of those rich families where you're like, and he's like, you don't understand the lineage or dynamics at all because it's like an aunt, another aunt, and then a niece and a nephew. And like, who's the mother of that girl? Yeah, like, where's the rest of the family? 
But that's like always how rich families are presented most of the time, unless they're the Adams family. Speaking of which, um, I watched the Adams family movies over the last couple weeks. They uh, they hold up. Yeah, they're um, they're amazing. Yeah, people like them a lot. They're critically acclaimed. Uh, the new film that's coming out, the animated Adams family, looks like garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Nice little uh, cash in there. That's the thing is, uh, you, nothing gets made for any purpose other than profit. Now. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> you can, when you watch those Adams family movies, you can tell they actually cared about them. Yeah, it was someone who was like, like it's just the way they like Morticia. It was someone who was like, you know what, Adam Stanley was cool. There hasn't been a cool Adam Stanley movie in a while. Let's do an Adam Stanley movie. And like, oh, we made money off of it. Let's do another one. So that this is back in the day when we talked about it before off the podcast, and it still happens now, but not as much. It's yeah, money. Movies are made to make money a lot of the time, especially for the people that finance them. But a lot of times, movies start off as someone just wanting to make the movie, and then if it makes money, great. Nowadays, it seems like it's money first. Like, it's, will this make money? How I'm the Joker, baby! Yeah. <laughs> why did that movie get made? Here's uh, Before anyone questions me about that comment, why did the Joker get made? Here's how I'll explain it to you. Um, so everyone, several times, but go ahead. well, no, I had like, it's a new thing I've thought about from like watching a shitty cam version of the Joker. <laughs> so a lot of people are like, well, you can't, this is just one interpretation of the Joker. You can't compare it to other Jokers, blah, 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 blah. That's fine. Joaquin does a good job. But, um, what if, too, well, no, here's the thing about that is, uh, so if it's not like the Joker, why does it need to be the Joker? Well, couldn't it just be? This story and him not being the Joker. In that case, then it's just Taxi Driver. So why would they make another Taxi Driver? Uh, and then why did this get movie get made? Oh, because they can make money off of the Joker intellectual property. <laughs> <laughs> and ta-da! The Joker didn't need to get made. And you don't fucking nerds on the internet who think you're part of the counterculture or some bullshit don't need to spend two weeks talking about the lazy ass fucking politics in it like it means something from your fucking corporate overlords <laughs> eating all your fucking trash they feed you god damn this podcast is really gonna take off i can feel it <laughs> i don't know my this is my whole thing is i'm tired of like all the fucking grift and garbage bullshit that people play on the internet and stuff so you that no one knows what they're talking about they don't like put any thought into it they're just like oh boy big franchise big corporation release new big franchise movie you need to talk about it i need to somehow see how it lines with my political alignment and then have branching arguments about the relevancy of this and blah, blah, blah. It's actually, this movie didn't need to get made. It was only made to make money. And people are like, well, you can tell it's art because it makes people think about it afterwards. And that, that doesn't mean it's good art. In fact, I, I about- just watched Taxi Driver instead. <laughs> <laughs> the movie already exists. <sighs> I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not familiar with Taxi Driver because there are, aren't any superheroes in it. Yeah, that's, uh, Rob De Niro's not a superhero. No. Oh. I can see him fighting alongside Captain America. <laughs> oh, this Joker makes me so angry. Well, not the Joker specifically, but just the, the idea. film industry. <laughs> and the fact that people care. That's the problem, though. You can't get people to just change their attitudes, unfortunately. Yes, you can with a bat. Well, you can with fucking state capitalism China. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, you notice uh, she's out there like, damn, I killed you, you stupid son of a bitch, because you fucking stop yelling about cake. <laughs> his Which, daughter? Yeah. It's Father's Day. Where was his damn cake? Well, the flashback is really stressful. And it's oh, yeah, like, I get it. When he's, I was like, you know what? 
I get anxious. Yeah, it's like I'd probably I'd probably kill him too. I'd had enough. I'd had enough just after that minute. Like, <laughs> I've had enough of this man. <laughs> but she's out there drinking. Well, it looks like Jack Daniels, right? It's Jim Beam. Jim Beam. Um, and she uh, accidentally spills some onto the grave, and it brings him back to life. You know, like Finnegan's White. <laughs> you think it's well, Ishkabala? Well, yeah, the Water of Life, right? Ishkabala. Uh, Do you think that was on purpose? I don't know. Yeah, probably. It's Stephen King, man. Hey, Timmy boy, see how he rises. His name wasn't Tim, though, was it? It was like Alex. He rises from the grave. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I no, I mean in Father's Day. Tim Finnegan is obviously Tim Finnegan. But oh. I mean, in, his name was like Alex or something. Was it Alex in the movie? I thought so. Yeah, Alex, Alexander Grantham. They shouldn't be. Again, I don't remember any of His name should have been Tim. Or Finn. Or James they should Joyce. Have, they should have named him Finn, Finn Tim again. <laughs> Finn Tim again. James Joyce, man, he just heard that street ballad and turned it into a really weird book. He's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a five-page summary of a story he wrote about someone shitting on a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James Joyce. He's just having a good time. His letters to his wife and stuff are great. He was really into farts. and uh, He's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> uh, this Marvel ashtray that's used for murder. Uh, it appears in um, every story in this movie. Did you notice? I didn't notice. Didn't keep her eye out for the old Marvel ashtray? I did not. Well, I uh, stole from IMDb. I noticed it in the Leslie Nielsen one, but yeah. not anywhere else. I stole from IMDb the list of where it shows up. Oh. So in part two... um. It'll be next to the cash box at the Department of Meteors. You know, when he has delusions of going to see science men. Uh, third one, yeah, it's on the nightstand next to Leslie Nielsen. Uh, fourth one, it is on the writing desk when Henry writes his letter to his wife, Adrian Barbo. And then in the Spooky Roach one, uh, the sup- soap dish when Upson Pratt is washing his hands. So it's just, uh, for some reason, he uses a marble ashtray as a soap dish. He's an eccentric old asshole. Yeah, and it's also on Billy's desk in the framing story, the prologue in Epilogue. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice it. Because Billy smokes cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be a man like his father. Thrill me. Thrill me. Uh, Father's Day is just kind of like a slasher movie, really. But a Zombies. Zombie, a zombie slasher. He uh, murders everyone. Oh, you don't see him murder the two youngest, but... No, he's gonna feed him cake. Yeah, he's like, Happy Father's Day! Here's my cake! Then, uh, Have a slice! He's got a cool voice. Why did I... I mean, oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. I like the, uh, that, um... The husband... Boyfriend dude? Ed Harris? Ed Harris, yeah. I, I don't... Again, I don't remember his name. I think Pete? Who with Pete? I I like, he feels like a Pete. Uh, he lays in that grave and lets his face get smashed in so easily. Yeah, he just sits there and watches it happen. <laughs> you think he'd be like, oh, the tombstone moved. I, will I should up. probably get up. I will sit up now. Uh, also, the, the uh, zombie Grantham old man has telekinesis powers because <laughs> he moves the tombstone with his mind. Oh, like, I assumed it was, uh, he had his, I don't think he had his arms in that scene, did he? I assumed his arms were still in No, he had his arms. arms. He's like, like wow. Put his arms up to do, like, Magneto poses. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you, fellow internet dweller, I ref- I my only friend of reference for anything is comic books. <laughs> <laughs> or professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all there is to say about Father's Day. I like it. Um, I think it's a good, like, jumping. It's, like... Best story to start it off with. Yeah, it's with, just I basically think. like saying, hey, this is going to be, you're going for some weird shit. Yeah, like, this is what we're going to present to you. Some creepy, crawly nonsense. Hope you enjoy. 
Um, zombie looks really cool. He's got Rice Krispies all over him. Sometimes it's maggots on close-up shots, but other times it looks like it's just Rice Krispies looking through yeah, him. Because the guy doesn't necessarily want to walk around in a maggot suit. Yeah, probably not. But maggots are good. They eat infections, right? Infected tissue. Infected tissue. Sometimes they eat living tissue. It depends on what kind of maggot. Well, I would be like, get me the good maggots. <laughs> not the bad maggots. Only good maggots, please. Like the X-Men character, Maggot, and his two good maggots. But, uh, yeah, it's not a good character. If you like Maggot and he is a favorite X-Men character of yours, I don't want to talk to you. I thought he had a cool character design back when I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever Operation Zero Tolerance was. Uh, he's got a blue trench coat. He's got light blue skin. He's got two maggots. It's got a good design. I'm pretty he's sure he's British. That's why I do eyes, <laughs> a white mohawk thing. Yeah. He has spooky eyes. He's just big. red. <laughs> he's big trench coat man and maggots came out. And I don't know what they did. I think he just controlled them with his mind. I don't know. He was again. He was a dumb character. Yeah. I feel very secure in saying he's a dumb character. What about Mero? She pulled bones. I like out Mero. Mero was cool. She was a Murloc. I like the Murlocs though. Murlocs. Yeah. Murlocs. Murlocs. Mm-hmm. Man, it's Murlocs. That's the World of Warcraft Murloc or Warcraft Murloc. Whatever, man. Fucking part Morlock. Warlock. Morlock. Oh, Morlock and Murloc. Yeah, you you confused your World of Warcraft with your uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, they sound the same though. They're um homin- homin- <laughs> Whatever. We're on to part the second story because there's not much to say about Falls Day. Falls Day. Except for Ed Harris is in it. This is the lonesome death of Jordy Verl. Now you're also in this film, yeah. aren't you? Mm-hmm. Do we have a uh, Do we have a scene of you in? There I am. Yeah, here you are. What What is What? Something has gone wrong here. Well, um, <laughs> actually, uh, <laughs> what went wrong was when my agent said yes. No, um, <laughs> I play a guy named Jordy Verrill in this story, and Jordy's not terribly bright. I guess maybe George saw it as typecasting. You know. <laughs> um, he would make Lenny and Steinbeck's of Mice and Men look like Einstein in comparison. Yeah. A meteor lands on his property and it's full of this sort of super seed that starts to grow all over his yard and his cars and his house and finally it starts to grow all over him and in the picture you showed he's just realized that uh, he started to, uh, to get green. Based on Stephen King's short story, Weeds. Have you read Weeds? No, I don't want Weeds. I don't um, know, is it, do you know what, what volume it appears in? This probably appears in um, when he was writing horror stories in pornographic magazines. <laughs> the old days. The all or nothing So that's days. like basically late 70s up until the early 90s. I think. <laughs> <laughs> up until Creepshow 2. This story is about a uh, fucking the dumbest farmer of all time. A meteor crashes in his backyard. <laughs> Uh, his uh, the stage direction that Romero gave Stephen King was to act like Wiley e. Coyote. <laughs> I I want to talk about a little bit because obviously we have two movies where Stephen King has contributed heavily to uh, the story and one of the directing. This movie is way better than um, uh, Maximum Overdrive. Well, like, the George, characters are better. The, the dialogue is better, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like the the writing is just better too. Yeah, I mean, so Stephen so, King gets sole credit on the writing, uh-huh. but it was originally like a 210-page screenplay, and that is not what they used for the shooting script, yeah. so I think Romero actually had quite like, a bit to do with the writing. Editing-wise? Uh-huh, because this, this, Stephen King is still like a drugged-out weirdo in this movie, <laughs> so I think George Romero did have to do quite a bit of wrangling. 
that would secret make some ingredient sense. is George Romero. Well, I mean, that's the thing with Stephen King is I feel like he needs a an editor. Oh, everyone always brings up the um group sex scene in it. Yeah, that's As a weird like, one. But. Like it's weird, but it like makes sense within the story. But it's just like Stephen King just writes where he feels like, huh? This one has my favorite line. Well, maybe not my absolute favorite, but pretty close in it is when he uh breaks up in the meteor and he like puts it in his bucket and then he's like, Ah, meteor shit. Wipes all over himself. Basically, um, whatever this meteor is, it's got some special magic goo that makes everything grow. I know, it makes everything ganja. Oh, it was turning into weed, huh? It did look like weed to me. Yeah. I love how vibrant they made everything look, mm-hmm. though. It's so green, and they have green lights everywhere. It's so lush. Ooh, it looks so good. It makes me want to run through it and get <laughs> uh, contaminated with weed. <laughs> Turn into a swamp thing. Yeah. Good old swamp thing. The only other actor in this segment is the meteor guy he sees in like his fantasies because uh, he thinks he's gonna get two hundred fucking big ones <laughs> for this meteor. He's got to go to, down to the college and knock on the department of mm-hmm. meteor door. Yeah, and I wonder how much science will pay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, "I'll give you fifty dollars." He's like, "No, nothing less than two hundred." <laughs> uh, but the, that other actor's name is Bingo O'Malley, which I just wanted to bring up because what a name. <laughs> Bingo O'Malley. I wish my name was Bingo O'Malley. I'm pretty sure he worked as a blackjack dealer and like for the Irish mob. <laughs> that does seem like a 19 like 30s like yeah Irish he works this fucking name. speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> hey Bingo, Bingo O'Malley. Ah, oh, jeez, boss, what you doing here today? <laughs> my family's from Wexford. <laughs> <laughs> this one's really funny. Like, just because uh, I think Stephen King actually does a really good job does. for <laughs> what he's supposed to be doing. Because <laughs> normally Stephen King is just like, mm, rah, rah, I'm Stephen King. But well, it's funny to see Stephen King playing an idiot. <laughs> and uh, the makeup effects are really good, of course. I like the scene where his dad's ghost appears in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I really like the way it looks. But then also his dad just be like, hey, you fucking idiot. Don't get in the bath. <laughs> You're covered in plants, moron. <laughs> plants love water. Yeah, but he does because the water looks so tantalized. It's taking over his brains. Mm-hmm. Like the close-ups they do of the water, they put like some shit in there because it has like a skin and like a sheen to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like sparkly. Yeah. yeah, it does look. I was like, man, I'll swim in that. <laughs> Check that out. So he gets in anyways, and the next time we see him, he looks like Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. and he's got to shoot his own head off. I thought I was thinking that he would still be alive if he shot his head because he's all plant now. Yeah, and then it just grow back. Uh-huh. Maybe his brain grows back. Yeah, I was I was expecting another scene right after that where it cuts back and his head is regrown or some shit. Mm-hmm. But instead, you get the shocking twist where they're talking about um, nearby towns and shit. It's gonna be green everywhere. Yep, and you see that it is just growing everywhere. It's fucking getting out there, and uh, so that's the end of the world is the opposite of climate change. Instead of everything turning to washed out desert, it'll be lush. The Earth will reclaim everything, just like in The Happening <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg. The third story. And the most <laughs> terrifying one. Probably, I think... I, like, I got anxious. Yeah, I like the crate the most, but this is number two for sure. It's called Something to Tide You Over. This is an original story for the film, technically, but it's almost identical to Stephen King's short story, The Ledge. So, he just changed it up a little bit. It's got no, Leslie, King, you hack. got Leslie Nielsen in it. 
He wears um, a leisure suit for part of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a cool leisure suit. So, leisure suit Leslie. Apparently, on set, uh, he's all business. Uh, a lot of people don't know this at this he's point. He's a serious actor. Yeah, before he hooked up with Abrams and the Zucker Brothers, which we talked about on Airplane, I think, ages ago. He was like a real serious actor. And then he kind of, he just happened to be a funny guy in real life and started doing funny stuff. <clears throat> on set of this film, he was very serious when they're doing the acting stuff because, you know, he's an actor. But he also had a fart machine on set and he'd do <laughs> fart machine jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, like to but break up the monotony. Like when they're doing a lot of takes, he'd like mess up Ted Danson's take. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, damn it. Like <laughs> <laughs> fart, Ted Danson. Ted had beans for lunch. Yeah, uh, and then Ted Danson's our co-star. Uh, he may work in TV, but he can bench press 300 pounds, <laughs> which I don't believe. <laughs> Ted Danson's a little kind he of He played professional though. baseball. No, that's just in Cheers, right? Yeah. Well, that's not that's not a true story. <laughs> oh, I forgot Cheers is his uh, biography. <laughs> he plays Ted Danson in Cheers. <laughs> Uh, Ted Danson is cool, though. I've always liked Ted Danson. I don't know, though. Is he, like, secretly one of those guys who grew up to be a weird conservative? No, he's still a uh, liberal as well. I know. Oh. I mean, then, very Hollywood liberal, but yeah. Yeah. I guess that's good enough. Um, and then the only other actor in it really is Galen Ross, who was in Dawn of the Dead, but she's actually a documentarian. She's got a lot of credits for directing documentaries. Documentarian. And her name... Kind of looks like Jalen Rose from the Fab Five. Jalen Rose Five. I remember Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose. He's still talking about basketball. On he's the on the. He's on the NBA. He's doing halftime shows and shit. Yeah, he played on the Nuggets and didn't ever do very much. That's a lot of the Fab Five. Didn't really do much. Chris Webber didn't really do much. Juwan Howard has a fucking NBA championship ring just by being on the bench for the Miami Heat. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris Webber is the most successful out of yeah, all. Yeah, for sure. Remember when uh, he did the timeout um, thing in, like, the NCAA tournament and, like, that was, everyone thought it was going to ruin his career forever? <laughs> but then he was Chris Webber. Yeah. He got he got drafted to the Warriors, though, huh? I remember being on the Warriors. That was Latrell Sprewell. So that was probably, like, for him, he was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to make it in the NBA. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Warriors were bad back then. <laughs> well, then he played for the Kings for a long-ass time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. And the Kings were good then. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Jalen Rose didn't ever do too much. So I guess Jawan Howard technically the most successful. But that's like when you're... I don't know. Hannibal Burst has a joke where he's like, yeah, I got an Emmy for 30 Rock, but that's like... I have an Emmy the same way Jawan Howard has a <laughs> NBA championship. <laughs> <laughs> he was just kind of there. Um. Anyhow, this is a story of revenge. And then more revenge. Cycle revenge. That's a lot of revenge. This is Leslie Nielsen, eh? It's Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, who was in Body Heat and uh, the Choir Boys. He's the one that's just sticking up here. Mm -hmm. Leslie uh, plays a Hollywood producer who catches his wife cheating and takes his wife and the lover and buries them in the sand below the high tide line and then videotapes the the proceedings. Mm So Ted Danson is cheating or is sleeping he's with He's not cheating. Les- he's just helping somebody cheat. Yeah, he's sleeping with Leslie Nielsen's wife. He's a real what was the guy's name from uh damn it, I can't remember the name of the movie now either. Caligula. <laughs> no, with uh Oh, uh, fuck it. 
I can't remember shit now. I'm you didn't give man. any detail. I know. I'm <laughs> dementia. What's the name of that movie with uh, you know, you know, uh, Bob's in it? Fucking Unicron's in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's like a powerful movie producer, so he don't play no games. Possession. <laughs> oh, possession. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> Kill yourself, Bob. It's, um, a, it's the same situation we got in Possession, except there's no Bob. Yeah. And there's no demon. And, like, the woman apparently is, like, completely sane and has isn't on drugs or anything. No, it's just Leslie Nielsen might be a little bit crazy. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. He's well, the crazy one. <laughs> I like it because, um... Instead of uh, abandoning a child and going on a three-week bender, he's like, yeah, I'm going to murder two people. <laughs> yeah, I'll kill him. Well, that's I like that because um he's supposed to be, like, an old-school movie producer. And fucking... That's what's crazy about, like, the old-school movie days, like, up until, like, the 90s. They were all gangsters. Yeah, like, the producers and directors and writers and stuff. A lot of these dudes were fucking crazy. <laughs> like, they were, yeah, I'll just pull a gun on you. I don't give a fuck. That's even, like, Martin Scorsese when, um, they he wasn't gonna get a taxi driver release. The inspiration for Joker, by the way. That and the King of Comedy. Because the, uh, uh, censorship board at the time, it was too violent at the end. Before he decided to make it black and white, it skirted around it. He's like, I'm gonna fucking kill these guys. Yeah, well, no. What if I just kill the one lady that wouldn't pass it through? I can just kill her. He stayed up all night doing cocaine. He was like, I was gonna say, I kill her. <laughs> in uh, the '70s, there's a lot of cocaine going around, and when you're on cocaine, anything seems like a good idea. Yeah, so I, that's technically an unverified story. Uh, Scorsese never said it himself. Well, it's no, just, it doesn't seem like something. It's just kind of something that's gotten <laughs> passed around among the film world, but I think it's cool, like the gerbil incident. That that was a little bit weird. I could see little Martin Scorsese being like, "Yeah, I'm not a shooter. Cocaine, I'll shoot her. Not only is he gonna kill him, he's gonna bury him and then drown him. Yeah, well, he's gonna torture him basically. And they get to watch each other too. It's a some real psychological torture he's got going. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's very sinister in it, but friendly because it's Leslie Nielsen. He's charismatic. What do you want from me? Like, well, I guess I will get in the hole. Uh, yeah, man, there's no way I'm getting that hole. Uh, the whole thing, when I watch this segment, uh, the whole time I'm like, all right, he's evil. I'm not supposed to like him, but... Damn, is he compelling. Yeah, I'm like, well, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, you can do it. Like, I'm, you're rooting for Leslie Nielsen a little bit. You're like, I sure hope his plan works. He's a real Thanos or Joker type <laughs> character, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just a victim of society. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, this is the creep show, and Liz Nielsen does not succeed. Well, he succeeds to a certain extent, but um, Ted Danson and Galen Ross come back as water zombies. Um, I mean, just the the uh, you you got anxious, right? The idea of being buried up to your head and then having the tide come in. Well, before even the tide came in, part I was just like, I've been buried a little bit. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to breathe. Because he wants it all. That's what I was thinking about. Like when we were kids, we used to go to the beach and we would take turns burying each other. Uh And like you could not get out of it unless someone helped you out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the weights all around you, and you have to take shallow breaths because you only have enough space for like your uh, lungs to expand. Yeah, so that feel thinking about that is what bothered me the most. And then I was like, ah, the sweet release of salt water, (laughs) or maybe that crab will come and kill me. (laughs) Someone give that crab a knife. Um, and then, uh, you think, like, when the water comes in, do you think you'd be able to wiggle out a little bit? But it kind of becomes more cement-like when the water... No, at that point, it's just, like, quicksand. Yeah. I'd probably give it a shot, but then... I would try, but... It'd probably make it worse. But they do come back as seaweed zombies, and... They're a cake! Oh, wait, no, no. 
you can't kill us with a gun. I, that's the thing I like about it. Liz Nielsen, the whole movie, is like, well, I have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs courage when you have a gun? Yeah, he's like, well, hop in the hole or I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> he's like, well, that's compelling. <laughs> and I'm he's not, like, start I, burying I'm gonna yourself. Take sh- I'm going like, to take the shot. Start burying yourself. At that point, it's like, and Ted Danson's like, well, just fucking shoot me then. Yeah, man. And he convinces him. It's like, oh, I just want to inca- incapacitate you, blah, blah, blah. Why? I don't, yeah. <laughs> Ted Danson, think it through. <laughs> well, he does have a gun, so you should probably listen to him. Usually guys with guns are smart. Pew, 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 bang, bang, pew, pew, pew. That's pew, my pew. favorite Donald Trump um clip. This one. <laughs> I love guns. Pew, pew, <laughs> pew. My favorite one is in the truck. He's like, I love trucks, Hong Kong. <laughs> is that real? Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> does he actually do an air horn? He does. The, I don't know or if he does, does he the sound, on? but he does the motion for the uh, air horn. I love, he's like, hong, hong, hong. I want him to shit his pants on stage so bad. I, I mean, he's still got time. There's at least six, seven months before he's impeached. It's going to happen. He's going to shit himself. I hope so. Just believe. That's all I've wanted for like the last year or two. That's all we got left. Like that's that, all the the only comedy he has left to give me is uh-huh. if he shits himself. Let's, Nothing just, else he does is funny anymore. I'm so fucking tired of him, and I'm tired of like, oh, Cheeto guy, bad. We gotta get him, and then nothing happens. I'm like, fucking, just shit your pants already, goddamn it, or vomit on somebody. Do something weird. I do all. I did like when he hugged the flag that one time. That was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, anyways, Lizzie Nielsen gets got by the zombies. I guess they don't really show it. So, but I'm guessing they probably like Ted Danson forces his zombie hand up through Leslie Nielsen's keister and turns him into a puppet. <laughs> Why? We don't know, but it looks funny. <laughs> well, actually, they bury him. They give him the same death. But... I thought they just drug him out into the sea. No, there's because the last scene is his head in the sand, and he's like, ah, oh, that's ah, right, yeah. And he's like, oh, I can, I can. I can hold my breath. I'm calm. Look at these hands. <laughs> yeah. It's, you can hold your breath for like ever. And then he does because he dies. <laughs> Never breathes again. This is actually the the longest of, of all the stories. It's called The Crate. And it runs about, uh, I guess, maybe 45 minutes or so. And uh, it's about a janitor and a couple of uh, faculty members who are played by Hal Holbrook and Fritz Weaver who find thing under the stairs boom batch bat bats boom bat next one's the crate this is my favorite one <laughs> some saucer bear and cone shit right there mm-hmm. <laughs> uh the crate this is my favorite one this is based on stephen king's short story the crate <laughs> if you can believe it um this is hal holbrook is our i guess he's kind of the star a little bit he's the biggest name in it kind of actually i don't know it's hal holbrook He's uh, still alive, and he's like 96 or some shit. Uh, he's been in everything. He was acting. His most recent acting credit was just last year. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. So, and there was a lot for 2017. And he's, so, he's he's out here. You're an old Kevin Sorbo type. And he's got a compatriot in this film named uh, Fritz Weaver, who's also another guy that's been around forever and been a lot of things. Both of them together, though, are the Twilight Zone boys. Fritz Weaver appeared in four episodes of Twilight Zone. Hal Holbrook appeared in three. Oh, take that, Hal. Yeah, Fritz Weaver, more of a Twilight Zone boy than you are. And then, of course, who's that? It's Wait, it. have what? either of them been in the new Twilight Zone? Or as are they both? Well, obviously, one's still alive. I think Fritz Weaver's dead. Damn. And Hal Holbrook has not been in it. 
Also, Jordan Peele, what you doing? I could have sworn the new Twilight Zone everyone thought was um, a joke. I haven't watched it. I was, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is bad. Is it bad? Yeah, I mean. That's uh, disappointing. What are you going to do with CVS, right? Um, Make a good Twilight Zone show? <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Isn't that a Star Trek show supposed to be good? No. All I hear is people complain about it, but uh, that's Star Trek fans. They complain about Star Trek a lot, right? Well, the problem is, like, Star Trek's been around for so long, and there's been so many different versions of Star Trek that, uh, you know, you got some fans are like, I'm a fan of the next generation. Mm-hmm. And then you got some fans are like, I'm a fan of Deep Space Nine. And you got some people are like, I like the J.J. Abrams ones. And they're, those are the worst. I think probably the people that like the new show are probably people that like the J.J. Abrams show, movies because oh. it's all action and stuff, which mm-hmm. is like not Star Trek's thing. Slow and contemplative. I think Star Trek fans like Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek comedy more than they like the new Star Trek. The Orville? Oh, yeah. I haven't watched it either. I watched one episode and I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, I like Galaxy Quest. Yeah, he's like, I don't need to watch this again. Anyhow, enough about that jerk, Seth MacFarlane. Adrian Barbeau's in this movie. Adrian Barbeau. She plays Wilma slash Billy. Uh, she was uh, married to John Carpenter when Creep Show was released. Everyone knows Adrian Barbeau, though. She's in tons of movies in the 80s. A lot of uh, movies in the 90s. Still acting today. But perhaps what she's most famous for is playing Catwoman in Batman the Enemy Series. <laughs> I would assume, right? I would assume so. <laughs> Adrian Barbeau. That's um, t- Mark Hamill's still the best Joker, right? Mark Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing is uh, people complain about Jared Lowe's Joker. Someone the other day, like, yeah, whatever, it's bad. But I can see what they're trying to do. Someone's like, Joker would never have a criminal enterprise and just be some gangster. The Joker is a gangster, you dummies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. He's always been a gangster. <laughs> Shit. People are fucking I mean, he's dumb. like a Dick Tracy villain because Batman is kind of like a Dick Tracy yeah. superhero. All of Batman's early villains are gangsters. Yeah. And that nothing's really changed. He's got a gang. You notice he's always got a gang? <laughs> hmm. Uh, anyhow, Adrian Barbeau plays Billy, who's... um. The movie starts off at a very hoity-toity, boring party, and she's having a good time. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, they just don't like her because she knows how to have a good time. But she is really, like, grinding the shit out of Hal Holbrook, her husband. Yeah, I mean, she's like... She's a little bit too... busted busting <laughs> balls, I think is what it is. <laughs> a little too overbearing. <laughs> It's and, almost like a reverse of the uh, the prologue relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where Hal Holbrook's completely defeated, and she's just, like emotionally abusive to him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she belittles like she. It is like emotional abuse because she has like that psychological thing where she's like, "Oh, what would you do without me?" After completely just <laughs> I'm destroying it, <her>. yeah. <laughs> castrating. You're so tiny and small. Yeah. But she's fun though. Stupid. I like her. I like. I I would definitely hang out her with her at that party though. <laughs> she's the only interesting person yeah, there. Everyone else is like, "Whoa, oh, trust." I shouldn't say that. Her husband might be interesting, but she gives him no opportunity. I mean, he never speak, so we don't know. He only talked to his gay lover. I feel like there's some sexual tension between those two. Hal <laughs> Holbrook and and Fritz. I mean, maybe. Well, he's like. They were probably in World War Two, WWE together. You're gonna be able to you know I mean? play chess tonight. I know we said we wouldn't play as much chess. I Plus, mean, he like he she sees he sees him like trying to like hook up with some young lady, mm-hmm. and he's like, mm-hmm. I think he's like, I thought you were going to put it in my pocket tonight. I think I I think it's there. I mean. I say good for them because she doesn't seem like a very good wife. <laughs> I mean, it's not as uh, is out there as it is in, say, the ghoulies, but I think you might be right. 
What? No, the, the, those two dudes and the ghoulies were totally like, <laughs> love each other. <laughs> and these two guys are totally in love with each other, too. It's just society at the time would not allow that to be possible. And society at the time now is also trying really hard not to make that possible again. <laughs> I think society, uh, by and large, <laughs> is saying it's okay. But there's a subset of uh, oh yeah the, minorities. You mean <laughs> the uh, the state is telling us? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a line in this film where uh, Adrian Barbeau, Billy's like Van Spornson or whatever, whatever that etiquette crotch lady's name is. But uh, the crotch part is clearly overdubbed and doesn't seem like an insult. I think originally she said cunt. Oh. But that's not a nice thing to say on the movie. This movie is R, right? Yeah. So why can't they just say the C word? Uh, a lot of people in America do not like the C word. No, I've met my mother. Yes, she does not like it. She can never go to England or Australia. Because they'll be like, oh, I can't. <laughs> Actually, I don't think they would say that to our I don't mom. think I'd randomly yell at my mom. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like she'd be at dinner and like some uh, some bloke would see his friends and they would stand up and hug each other and be like, ah, I cunt. <laughs> and she's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> they use the C word here. Oh, heavens. I actually wouldn't say that. She'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, my mom. Well, mom's curse is like a sailor. It's just uh, that she finds just... it like derogatory towards women. Right. Which I guess I understand. I mean, it American is, yeah. Culture. In American culture, it totally is. But I don't know. It's a fun word, though. Uh, you know? Yeah, I guess. I would Lots never. of words might be fun. Oh, I would never use it. Shifferobe's a fun word, but no one really throws <laughs> it around like they should. Shifferobe. I would never use it like derogatorily towards a woman or anything like that, but I do think the playful banter in nature in England and Australia is cute. Um, The real star of this film, though, is Fluffy. The water alien wolf. Ape. He's like a little, um, like a dwarf werewolf ape monster man. He's uh, his name is Fluffy. Apparently, all the monsters in this movie have names, but the only ones we know are Raoul for the skeleton guy and Fluffy for this man. This is the uh, first fully animatronic creature Tom Savini had created. Because of that, he contacted fellow special effects artist Rob Botton for advice on how to do it. Oh, that could say Jim Henson for a second. No. Uh, Rob Botton, famously, he did the special effects for The Thing, The Howling, and Total Recall. Total Recall. So that's cool. Uh, bring out John Carpenter again. So, so far we got Adrian Barbo, The Thing. And here's another reference to The Thing. The John Carpenter hat trick. Here we go. The uh, crate, when it's discovered, has shipped to Julie Carpenter from Arctic Expedition written on it. Oh. So, a reference to The Thing, perhaps? Is this The Thing? No, well, this is the thing's true form. A cute little werewolf. A cute relative, but yeah. <laughs> well, all the, the, the novelty practical effects from like 80s horror movies are all like kind of cute to me now. <laughs> Especially because Fluffy's become like a pop culture icon, sort of. Or cult. Yeah, cult pop. Cult, cult yeah. pop. Cult culture? Become a cult figure in his own right. Or it's like, oh yeah, Fluffy, what a hero. He, I mean, he's just hungry. And then he goes back really under the stairs because he felt safe. And you're like, aw. He's been in there for 100 years. He needs to eat three, maybe four bodies. Yeah, so he eats um, janitor, uh, some student who kind of looks like Paul Giamatti. Hal Holbrook has had enough of his goddamn wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, he's been uh, imagining 
Killing her. Killing her for quite some time. There's the short little fantasies where he chokes her to death or shoots. I like when he shoots her at the party. (laughs) Because everyone's like, "Mm, good show, sir. Everyone golf claps. Quite Um, the end. But now he sees his opportunity. Now this is like, he can get off scot-free with this, right? So he lures her to the university. Uh, He alludes to the fact that um, his friend has murdered an underage girl. (laughs) Not necessarily murder, but (laughs) perhaps he... Raped sexually molested <laughs> yeah. for sure. Something went wrong with uh, one of his students. Or... Something went wrong with one of his sexual assault attempts. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and she's, of course, like she's well, like, oh, I always knew that motherfucker was uh, out there. So she, <laughs> she's like, well, I, only I can handle this sort of thing. <laughs> not only is she like, only can I ha- not only can I handle this, but I'm into mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm I'm gonna use this. I love every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a drink for the ride. Well, you saw how boring that party was, right? <laughs> that's like their everyday lifestyle, I'm sure. So this probably is the most exciting thing that's happened to her in 15 years. You know, I got to be honest. I think the party wasn't that exciting, but my normal life isn't that exciting. So who am I to judge? Yeah, but she seems to love the excitement. She loves who doesn't love excitement? That's Everyone right. loves excitement. Yeah, so imagine mm-hmm. your colleague from uh, any town university... Is like, oh, I'm, oh, I accidentally murdered a girl. I need some help with the monster or whatever. You'd be like, fuck yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Let's see if we can get away with cream. I'm a dad, foul. Yeah, but like I said, it's all ruse. She gets monster eaten. Oh man, you definitely that. I'm a dad. Uh huh. Well, I'm like by prop murder by proxy. Well, he planned out all the yeah. Uh, that's first degree murder. It's just, I mean, you can't help that a lion eats meat. <laughs> Lion's got to hunt. Yes, the little werewolf guy gets it. Um, at that point, though, they're basically like, all right, problem solved. We just got to get rid of um this monster now. <laughs> Let's throw him in a ravine. Well, they throw him into like a quarry, a quarry right? Because that's where they're always like, what's it called? Like sluice or whatever? Sleuth, sluice. Yeah, the stuff that comes out yeah, of mines. Run off. Yeah. Which is like fucking toxic and shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bunch of heavy metals in water. They, in it, they fucking swim in the quarry and stranger things and shit. Were kids really swimming in quarries just dying all the time? Well, not all the the not all of those are toxic. It just depends on what kind of mine it is. Oh. But, I mean, generally speaking, the kind of shit that they use to mine, especially these days, uh-huh. the runoff is going to be toxic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's why the kids have magic powers or whatever. <laughs> That's why there's... it's all one illusion <laughs> of will. He actually had a stroke on the way back. Yeah, on his bike. it didn't happen either. Pennywise isn't real. <laughs> they all just have fucking radiation poisoning. Um, yeah, it seems to work though. We see the Fluffy's in the crate, and he's like, "Well, I guess I live here for now." Uh, he escapes the crate in the water <laughs> at the end. That's the twist. The twist. <gasps> Shocking twist. They uh, uh, the two old men have a weird conversation at the end where they're like, kind of not. Seems like they're filling each other out. Well, yeah, to make sure if, like, so we still gonna fuck or what? <laughs> We're still gonna fuck, but then I think you're, I might try to murder me. Yeah, they're like, well, hmm. The problem is, though. Is this gonna escape and kill everyone? I don't know. They don't have the murder weapon in possession anymore. Yeah. Are you, they're gonna do regular murders now? <laughs> after you've done monster murders? Well, you just gotta throw a dude in the quarry and, you know, hopefully it's its course. Hopefully a monster comes out. Yeah, but he, the monster's probably just gonna run, run around, like, making trouble now. <laughs> doing hijinks and stuff mm-hmm. well i mean like eating kids and shit but they it's not like the monsters seem like indestructible or anything you know like eventually they'll probably just get shot by the cops i mean he gets hit by a wrench and doesn't seem to react to other than to eat the man that hit him yeah but he gets hit in, like the shoulder 
I thought he hit him in the brain. I'd get hit in the shoulder with the wrench and be like, sir, I must eat you now. That's your reaction? Yeah. Sometimes. Well, sometimes I've been in fights where, you know. Like, like I'm going to fucking eat you. No, but like, you really are starting, you know what I mean? The adrenaline. Yeah, you're like, you, fuck you. I like, will be like, man, I'm going to rip this motherfucker's ear off. <laughs> and then be like, oh, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not Mike Tyson. Yeah. Well, I don't mean bite off. You, know, you can, like, tear someone's ear off. I'm familiar with how to tear yeah, sometimes They're, they're like, just hanging off of there. Yeah, I just fucking tear his ear off. And then he'll never forget me and fucking piss on him. You know, In like, the ear hole. <laughs> like an animal. Um, now we get to the fifth I'm story. I'm going to whip his ear off. It's called They're Creeping Up on You. This is original for the film. That's E.G. Marshall, uh, who's in a, uh, a story called They're Creeping Up on You. Uh, it's about bugs. <laughs> It's about cockroaches. He he has a, as a matter of fact, he has a New York apartment and he's caught in a blackout. And we we went to Costa Rica and we got four thousand giant cockroaches. That stars E. G. Marshall, who is another man who's been in everything, but most um, famously he is juror number four, one of twelve angry men. Yeah, that's the, a good movie. Yep, the, everyone was forced to watch it in the high school, I think. Um, but probably it's, not anymore. Oh, it's a really good movie. And, yeah, or maybe they're watching the remake. Yeah. Oh, the TV show made yeah. for TV one. Gross. Lame. Um, unfortunately, I do not like this story very much. I think it should have ended on the crate. You didn't like this one? No. Nah, I don't like seeing the bougie man. I. It's just like not as entertaining as the other ones. I feel like um, it really like kills the pace of the movie. Yeah, I guess that's fair. There's a couple bits I like, like especially like when he's on the phone with the uh, the widow of his business rival. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah. Well, he's a little bit of a Ebenezer Scrooge figure. Yeah, but he seems to enjoy it more than I think Ebenezer did. Like Ebenezer kind of was just a dick because he thought it was That's good for the win. bottom line. This guy you know, seems to really like it. Sadist, if you will. Yeah. Um, George Romero had said that the cockroaches were the most expensive part of the movie. The cockroaches cost fifty cents a piece, and they used more than two hundred and fifty thousand of them. Jesus, a grand total of one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars on roaches. <laughs> Also, Stephen King and George Romero said that if this story had proven to be too difficult and ambitious to film, it would have been substituted with Stephen King's short story, The Hitchhiker, which ended up being the final story of Creepshow 2. And it's better than this one. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember The Hitchhiker. I remember liking it. Yep. Um, I don't have too much to say about this one because it's really boring to me. I like when the roaches erupt out of him. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I it just kind of is what it is. There's not really much to mm-hmm. talk. Oh, and about. I like when you see the blackout coming. Oh, and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, that's the Bay Area, right? Right now? <laughs> Most of California. Yeah. Um, I actually, that part was a little bit, that part freaked me out a little bit when the roaches start exploding out of everywhere and mm. then it goes completely dark. That would f- freak me out. Yeah, that, I guess that's the big thing about it, too, is I'm not scared of roaches at all. So I was just like, whatever. Yeah, I'm not really scared of them, but that would, like, if they're coming out of everywhere and it goes pitch black all of a sudden, mm-hmm. that I, I like. Oh, I also like the visual aspect of the doorbell when, uh, like the the doorman uh, yeah. comes to talk to him, mm-hmm. being mean to him. He's mean to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> being mean to him. Yeah, he's just a dick, and he gets what he deserves, just like all rich bougie motherfuckers will get. Mm, I don't know if that's true. Eventually, it has to happen, right? I mean, he seemed to have lived a long, long life before the roaches got to him. Oh yeah, not Jeff Bezos though. We'll get him. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, you'll get yours. I'll see you on Mars, motherfucker. Uh, then we switch to the epilogue. And who do we see? Well, 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 if it isn't old Tom Savini playing a garbage <laughs> man. Uh, looking, he's looking through the garbage because he loves comic books. 
<clears throat> and they're like, oh, you need to get the x-ray specs. Like, nah, it's a gag. He's like, oh, oh, someone already bought the voodoo dolls. Because well, they were psyched for the voodoo dolls. Yeah. like, man, we get a voodoo doll. Oh, damn. Uh, what I like about it is uh, we find out Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, but uh, dickhead's son in the movie, he's got the voodoo doll. And because of the way the prologue and epilogue are set up, uh, it makes it alludes to the fact that Raul, the skeleton man from Creep Show, he showed up to deliver the voodoo doll. He's like, "Hey, we got your uh, proof of purchase. <laughs> You're 1995, so here's the voodoo doll. <laughs> <laughs> this is why shipping and handling costs 595. <laughs> yeah, because it's because he is the shipping and handling. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously the next day, right? Because yeah. that threw away the comic. It's on top. Blah, blah, blah. So he got that voodoo doll last night from Raul. Raul's like a UPS guy, <laughs> but specifically for Creep Show. That's how uh, Amazon's going to do it. They're going to deliver by ghoul and spook him. Um, I like in the prologue when um, his piece of shit dad is like, that's my God made father's babe. That's my God made father's <laughs> drinks his shitty foamy beer. I want to slap him. <laughs> that shit's so... Yeah, God made fathers. No, God made cum machines. <laughs> Society determined that there's cultural significance with fathers. God didn't make shit. Fucking cast me as the Joker. I have important things to say about society. <laughs> Anyhow, um, which segment did you like the best? I think I like the Leslie Nielsen segment the best. Yeah, I, that one's a real close number two. I like the crate the most. The crate. Because Fluffy's cool and Adrian Barbeau's interesting. It's got like the funnest acting. And I like the little cuts to Hal Holbrook imagining killing his wife. Because, you know, I just, just love casual misogyny and art. That's why we're boom, watching so many 80s boom, movies. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that wasn't a joke. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I love Creep Show. Uh, I love Creep Show TV show. I love Creep Show too. Oh, George Fucking Romero. George Romero's great. Um, Stephen King's great. I need to read more Stephen King because I've read it and the book you gave me about how to write like Stephen King. <laughs> On writing? Uh-huh. And... <laughs> Not much else, I don't think. I keep Mom eleven twenty two sixty three, so that's somewhere in the house. What's that one about? That's the that one's not really scary. That one is oh. the where he goes back in time to try to stop the Kennedy assassination. What it's for? Good, Why would you want to stop the Kennedy assassination? Yeah, just because you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's really basically what it is. <laughs> I have the yeah, power. Probably can. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power too. Why not? Yeah, well, that's it. That's it for the creep show. We had a good time creeping on the creep show. Oh, the creep show's over here. We had a creep show. We were VHS cult doing a creep show. We were creeping around, showing you things. Oh, here I am, showing and creeping, creeping and showing. That's kind of like uh, creep show is like a flasher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a creep and I'm a show. Wow. It's a creep show. <laughs> Whenever I think flashes, I always think of gremlins too. All right, fucking next week we are watching. <coughs> <coughs> That's not our movie. Shit. Watching the Halloween 3 season of The Witch. No, oh my God. That's the one that's not about Michael Myers, right? That's right. Because everyone's tired of Michael Myers. Except for they weren't. Just John Carpenter was. And then it came out and everyone's like, where's Michael Myers? <laughs> <laughs> and the Halloween anthology series never took off. Too bad. It just became Michael Myers' show. And they just keep making them. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Actually, yeah. I really like season of The Witch. It's kind of, kind of getting um uh, resurgence recently where people are like oh no it's actually pretty cute <laughs> pretty cute yeah it's not like a great movie yeah. but you know it's fun it's a fun halloween movie cult vhs cult go to our website adventureproductions.com give us some money give us your love your devotion 
your first. I know a lot of people watching Creep Show and making podcasts about it and stuff, but we're the number one podcast about Creep Show. Well, I was like what I was talking about earlier is these dorks on the internet don't have any insight. Um, I do. That's why I'm fucking cult leader. Are there a lot of uh, Creep Show podcasts? I would assume so because there's a lot of horror movie podcasts and Creep Shows very like. It's 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 classic. It's so it classic. classic. Top of the list sort of shit. Yeah, probably, probably a lot of season of the witch watching now too, since it's getting its finally getting its due. And people are like, well, did you know that Halloween three season of the witch doesn't have Mike Myers in it? Hmm? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Reddit movie detail. <laughs> wow, riveting. If you watch closely in Avengers Endgame, you'll see that Tony Stark has a beard, and Captain America's shield gets broken. These are real high art films. Martin Scorsese, go die in a ditch. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> you need a joke. Yeah.